If you're not laughing, the joke's on you. That's a good point. Uh, my grandfather used to say, if you're in a room full of people and you can't figure out who the stupid one is, you're in trouble. <laughs> Congratulations, you. you just figured it out. <laughs> Congratulations, dumbass. That voice right there, guys, is not a normal one. So we'll explain why Mike Rowe is on an army of normal folks right after these brief messages from our generous sponsors. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Our whole podcast is based on the platform that there's normal folks that have financial troubles, family troubles, difficulties in life, and they do extraordinary things in all corners of, of our culture and society. And those stories are rarely told because we're dominated by the, the press in New York and the division in D.C. and the social media coming out of your neck of the woods that says, mm-hmm. If you don't look like me, think like me, breathe like me, worship like me or vote like me, you must be my enemy. And this decades long division that's been percolating in culture, I think, can largely be be fixed or at least mended by the celebration of normal people doing extraordinary things in their neck of the woods, because I don't care how you vote, who you are, or what you look like. We can all celebrate humanity and decency in each corner of the world. And so um, that's what the show is. And we have a an occasional 
intermission from our normal folk stories, and we will talk to people who aren't so normal. Um, <laughs> and really, the not so normal people that we talk to, it's it's not really about them, but it's about who helped them when they were normal. In other words, what normal people helped them to their success. And we call these special segments supporting greatness. And today we have a most normal of non-normal people that you could imagine. He's uh, famed for his show, Dirty Jobs, and his name is Mike Rowe. And bro, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you joining us. I can't I can't think of a time that where somebody has introduced me as abnormal in such a nice way, but thank you. I'll take it. <laughs> well, you, you, you are abnormal. So we want to talk about who supported your greatness and that's what we're going to get into real quick. But first, Mike, I want to know what's up with this thing right here. I once had a whiskey made for me back in a place called Tennessee. The taste was grand, so I agreed to call my whiskey noble. Soon may the nobleman come to bring a bottle for everyone. One oh, day when the waiting is done, we'll take a drink and go. Now noble was so that's me uh, singing a very old sea chanty called the Wellerman, and the Wellerman was dragged back into the spotlight during the lockdowns when some guy over in Scotland recorded it in four-part harmony and threw it out on TikTok and billions of people started a whole sea, sea shanty craze. So speaking of normal people, I released a line of whiskey uh, during the lockdowns uh, called Noble, named after the most normal guy I knew, Carl Noble, who happened to be my granddad, the guy to whom Dirty Jobs was dedicated and the foundation that I run today. So to uh, celebrate or perhaps mourn the return of Dirty Jobs, I got my hands on some five-year-old Tennessee whiskey. I put my pop's name on it and I started having virtual drinks with fans of Dirty Jobs sitting right where I'm sitting now, right? I'd send a bottle out to a longtime fan. We'd have a sip or two and have a conversation. I started putting those out there in, into the world. And somehow or another, we raised a bunch of money for my foundation and uh, launched a whiskey brand that started with that very thing you just showed, me walking along the beach, turning the Wellerman into the nobleman and wondering if anyone <laughs> would pay attention. Which clearly they did. And this whiskey, I think, is made in my home state, right? Right uh, here, It, it is uh, down in Columbia, Tennessee. Yeah, yeah, you know, I'm near Nashville. Yep. I didn't do like you kind of look around if you're me and you take stock in the landscape. And what you don't say is, oh, OK, I see what our country needs. Our country needs another celebrity bourbon brand <laughs> immediately. That's <laughs> that's what needs to happen. Right. And I didn't do the whole Matthew McConaughey thing where, you know, you're walking in slow motion through a wheat field, sampling and trying all the different possible recipes. I just met a guy who had some five-year-old juice in the barrel and a buyer. Uh, well, it just didn't work out the way it was supposed to. And suddenly it was available and I tasted it and loved it. And that's what happened. That That's what life is, Bill. 
you know, you just you, you could you could have gone the Diddy version and done some vodka and like break dancing in some cool place well, in look, San Francisco. You, you never say never to these things, but in my experience, <laughs> right. you you kind of play the play the cards you get. It's kind of crawl, walk, and then run. Here's the stuff you're yeah. talking about. It's um, there it know, is. Yeah, we just did a barrel strength, right? It's got my pops I love name it. on it. I keep it down here yeah. in the bunker, you know, to break in case of emergencies. Yeah. You never know how these podcasts are going to go. Sometimes, well, life that's is on reserve. It's it's always standing by. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's noble on reserve. Uh, <laughs> I wonder how it would go with a little splash of sweet vermouth and a maraschino cherry because I'm a Manhattan guy. It would taste a lot like a Manhattan, I dare say. I dare say. So that was a a great segue to want to talk about a few people that I've read about and heard you talk about that did support your greatness. And the first one is your grandfather, which you've touched on. But why, you know, I've read that he was kind of a jack of all trades, electrician, could do plumbing. I've read the story of the toilet exploding. And, you know, I'd love for you to tell that story. But more importantly for me, Mike, is... Why did he matter to you so much? You know, not not what he did that makes him an amazing, normal guy. But again, the topic is supporting greatness. So what is it that you really deeply defines you that is the piece of him that lasts in your life forever? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to unpack, but let me first say that as you were describing what your podcast is, I was I was chuckling to myself because it sounded a lot like the pitch I gave to Discovery Four Dirty Jobs 20 years ago, which at the time was pretty revolutionary. You know, there was no re- there was no reality TV on the air per se, and all of the nonfiction stuff that I'd ever been involved in relied on abnormal people, right? Experts. But there, there was a moment, there was a moment there, um, like they call it the Overton window, you know, where, where, where my little idea for this show, Forrest Gumped its way onto the air and found a toehold. And the whole pitch was, look, what if, what if we treated normal people the way Access Hollywood treats Brad Pitt? That's it. Right? Right. What if we go into a sewer with a full crew And rather than turn the sewer inspector into the punchline of some joke, or rather than just revel in the pure spectacle of wading through other people's crap, why don't we let him be the expert and let me learn as his apprentice and just let the cameras be a fly on the wall? And and that's really what the show was. And, And to answer your question, the reason that show looked the way it looked is because that's how I grew up next to my granddad, working as his apprentice, determined to follow in his footsteps. And of course, the great truth in life, one of many, and I'm sure you've, you've seen this yourself in your exploits, but just because, you, just because you love something doesn't mean you can't suck at it. And, <laughs> and <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> and conversely, and maybe even more importantly, just because you don't love something, just because you're not really into something doesn't necessarily mean you might not have a great facility for it. 
right? How many running backs did you meet in your career that turned out to be a better tight end or maybe this or that, right? You don't, you don't really know necessarily. But when I was 15 or 16, I was pretty sure I was going to follow in my pop's footsteps, who, to your point, could take apart your watch and put it back together blindfolded, could deconstruct a combine, put it back together, a combustion engine, could build a house without a blueprint. He only went to the seventh grade, but he was a magician, Bill, right? He was a magician in the sense that every day I remember seeing he and my dad, they would, they'd wake up clean, go out into the world to fix some problem, to build a barn, to put in a water line, to dig a well, whatever it was, and come home dirty. And somehow, in between, magically, a thing got fixed, a problem got corrected, a thing was built, right? And now, a few messages from our generous sponsors, but first... We're now offering premium memberships for the Army of Normal Folks. For 10 bucks a month, you'll receive special benefits, such as being invited to a private yearly call with other premium members and me, access to monthly Ask Me Anything episodes, and occasional bonus audio. If you're interested in this, I hope you go to normalfolks.us and click on premium. But guys, that's really not what it's about. You get all that cool stuff, and we're going to provide all that stuff. But the truth is, we're trying to, to grow the army of normal folks and have a greater impact on the country. And with the premium memberships, we can fuel our marketing efforts to grow it. This podcast peaked at number 10 on Apple's podcast chart in all of the U.S., which is absolutely crazy. And it's not about me. It's about the guest, and it's about you. So we've decided to set an exciting new goal of trying to be on Apple's top shows chart for our entire first year, which will mean more attention, more listeners, more Army members, and most importantly, more impact. But we need you, as always. So go to normalfolks.us and click on premium if you're down to help. If not, just keep listening. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. 
Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Mike, were you when you woke up to the fact that you should revere your father and grandfather for the hard work they were doing? When did that click for you that they were special? That's a great question because there's no answer. I never had a realization or a peripatia. I never had a big aha moment where I suddenly realized my dad and my granddad were were each great in their own way. I had a front row seat to their greatness, right? And if and if the point of this conversation is really to elevate th- that component, right? Then I got to tell you, I got the best cards in the world. We didn't have much money, but one of the genius things my pop did, my grandfather I'm talking about, Carl Noble, was years ago when they put in 95, you know, the big interstate up and down the East Coast, um, his little farmhouse was right in the way of, an off-ramp. And so the state gave him the option of either writing him a check or relocating his home, right? Someplace of his choosing nearby. My, my granddad chose to put his home on the top of a hill, right? A, a, an isolated hill that was flanked on one side by Stemmers Run Creek. On the other side, by about 100 acres of lowland marsh and thick woods. And on the the third side, the off-ramp to 95, which would be built about 100 yards down a steep grade filled with pine trees. It sounded like the ocean. In fact, my mother told me it was for the first 12 (laughs) years of my life, and I believed her like a fool. But my grandfather very strategically put his home in a place where he knew no one could develop. But he also knew that the power lines back in the woods had to be maintained by the state. So the state put in this gravel road, built a wooden bridge over the creek. And I wound up growing up next to my grandfather in a place that you just couldn't, well, you couldn't dream up. It was completely isolated. It felt like the middle of Colorado somewhere. We didn't actually own all the land we had access to, but we had access to it exclusively. Because nobody and so else we could built use barns. it because it was landlocked. There's no one there. There's no one there, and the state didn't care. Where, where is this, Mike? Mike, where? where? I'm trying this to— This is Baltimore County, Maryland. Yeah, I, I'm, I grew up on a little farm in Baltimore County, Maryland— that most people would never even think of as farmland because it was only three miles from the city line. And so I was, I was, I was in a bubble, Bill, the best kind of bubble, right? Because I had a mom and dad who were devoted to each other and raised my brothers and me with, 
with great love and care. But right next to them, I had this second set of parents, my mom's parents, who functioned like this, uh, like this walking proof of every good lesson my dad ever tried to drill into my head. So, you know, I, I never, I never felt poor. I never felt bored. I had access to deep and endless woods. I had chores. I had horse crap to pick up every day. I had wood to cut. Our home was heated by a wood stove. And I had two men in my earliest memories, two men who were always there, who loved each other, this this father, this this man and, and his son-in-law, right? They, they were very, very close. And they raised my brothers and me uh, in a way that had so much meaning and so much impact that we didn't have the good sense to know it until decades later when we looked back at it and saw it for the unique situation that it was. So... Again, if if you can, I'm I'm an I'm a touchy feely guy. What is the essence of your grandfather that is a part of the definition of who you are today? Humility. That's a great word. First and foremost, it's it's humility. And look, it's a, it's a very weird thing and maybe a little ironic to brag about your humbleness <laughs> i would say that <laughs> and i don't that's that's a definition of irony bro <laughs> yeah right you know what makes me so great it's that i'm so damn humble <laughs> mac davis had a great song about that remember oh lord it's hard to be humble oh, yeah. when, when you're, you're perfect, perfect in every way. way yeah sure it's a great yeah. song so w- what happened to me was my, my, my granddad was the very definition of humility. He affirmatively ran from credit, and yet he was one of the most competent people that I ever, that I ever knew. And juxtaposed to me, you know, once I realized that I wasn't going to follow in his footsteps, once I learned gently in his presence that the handy gene was recessive and that the things that came easy to him did not come easy to me, This was the guy, by the way, Carl Noble, who told me maybe the best advice I ever got. He said, look, Mike, I get it. You want to be like me. You want to be a tradesman. You can be a tradesman. Anybody can be a tradesman, but you need a different toolbox. (laughs) And so and so I got one. You know, I I went to a community college. I learned to do a bunch of things I wasn't really interested in, like acting and writing and singing and so forth. And, you know, that way led on to a way. And, you know, I'm, I'm really summing up a couple decades for you. But to answer your question, I found success in the entertainment business. Not a ton of it, but enough of it to become arrogant. I learned that I could work pretty much whenever I felt like it. I took many months off every year. I took my retirement in early installments. And I felt... I felt like I had figured something out that was important. And then one day when I was 42 years old, working right across the bay there, I can almost see my old office at CBS. My mom called me. I was sitting in my cubicle hosting a, I'd been hosting a TV show in those days called uh, Evening Magazine. And she called to say, Michael, you know, your grandfather turned 90 years old yesterday. 
And I was just thinking, wouldn't it be terrific if before he died, he could turn on his television and see you doing something that looked like work? <laughs> that, that he actually would respect? <laughs> I mean, it's not that he didn't respect everything no, that I had you done. You know what I mean. But the men like that. They want to see something that reminds them of work. They want to see something of themselves in TV shows. I own I own a hardwood lumber manufacturing facility mm. and well you know it's it's a dirt, it's a dirty job it's uh, hot when it's summertime it's cold when it's wintertime it's dust flying through the air hydraulic grease everything and sure I have people in the office doing office stuff but the vast majority of my 130 employees are outside working hard kilns chains conveyors noise rip saws mm-hmm. You know, if you have all 100% of all 10 digits, you're really not a lumberman. You know, it's that kind of place. And, <laughs> and, and I have, I have an enormous amount of respect for each of my employees that show up every day at 7 a.m. and work till 3.30 and any overtime hours I ask them to help my company be successful because those men, they work. And those men respect people that show up and work. And I assume your grandfather would have had some of the same mentality. When I say respect, I mean, they respect, they understand there's, there's just a, there's a, there's a shrinking number of people in our culture that understand what eight hours on a jackhammer is. And I have, I have oh, a right. And there's no way to there's no way to teach there, it. Well, there's there's one way. Get on top of it and pull the handle. That's right. That's it. I mean, it's just experience. To your point, and regarding humility, you know, it was a very uh, it was it was a very humbling moment for me because after that phone call from my mother, right, I took a cameraman into the sewers of San Francisco and I hosted an episode of Evening Magazine down there, <laughs> and that footage was so shocking, so inappropriate, uh, and so delightfully hideous that uh, it, it actually got me fired from CBS, but it became the, the, the heart. It became the, the demo tape that I used to sell Dirty Jobs. And as Dirty Jobs found its audience and really began to take hold, two things happened that are relevant to the goal of your podcast. The first is that I got... A, a level of feedback I'd never seen before in TV. Um, not not merely positive feedback. Not, oh, Mike, that's so funny or that's so interesting. The feedback I got that shocked me was, you think that was dirty? Where do you see what my dad does? Where do, you, where do you see what my grandfather did? My cousin, my brother, my uncle, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, right? It's like, where do you see the lumber yard where they work? Where do you see this? Where do you see that? And so I realized that there was a giant world out there of pre-built sets called job sites. And there were a, a, a giant number of people out there called real people from which we could learn something. And so once I realized that I once I realized that I was a better guest than I was a host <laughs> in the TV world. Then everything changed. Get it. And and to realize that 
is very humbling. You you have to you have to let go of the idea that you're the expert, that you're the host, that you're the person with knowledge that you're going to share with your audience. All that goes out the window and you become an apprentice. And if there's a if there's a a punchline to a joke, if there's a brunt to a joke, it's on you. Right. Yeah, right? Sure. The expert is is the man or woman you're working with. So that's what my granddad taught me. It's like, look, I, I, I had success in TV. I was doing okay. I was happy. But things didn't really blow up for me until I really kind of re-embraced the humility that, that my pop had demonstrated to me as a boy, day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. So we can say that what supported the greatness of Dirty Jobs was the lessons and the uh, and and the work done by your grandfather, who you've now named a whiskey after, which is interesting too. <laughs> um, Why not? Okay, yeah. so we got humility from Granddad. I got it. We'll be right back. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Talk to me about Glendon Huntington. <laughs> wow, you've done some research. Good for you. Ah, thank, um, thank you so much. We can read in Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> Glendon Huntington uh, was a colonel in the Army. 
And he was probably the first man outside of men who were related to me that changed the trajectory of my of my life. Uh, he was a scoutmaster in Troop 16. And um, I was a weirdly shy kid, Bill. I had a bad stammer when I was 11, 12 years old, 13. My dad and mom decided that the Boy Scouts would be good for me. They drove me to Kenwood United Presbyterian Church one Wednesday night, pushed me out of the uh, slow rolling station wagon with the fake lumber on the side and <laughs> sent me into the church yeah, basement. The family where, That's a family roadster. Mom. Oh, yeah. That's what it was. I think it was a... Uh, I think it was the town and country oh, station Ford, wagon. A Ford a, station wagon a with, the, with the wood paneling down the side, probably green or yeah. blue. Nice. Yeah, who knows? At at that point, everything was green and beige. That's I true. lived in a green and beige world, you know, including the Boy Scout uniform, which I confronted that night. Mike, you said you had a stammer. Do you mean what is a stammer? shy and couldn't gather his words or like a real life stutter i didn't know at the time i would learn uh i would learn over the next couple of years my my condition whatever it was was cured partially by glendon huntington and and partially by another guy i'm pretty sure you're going to ask me about a high school music teacher but I didn't, it wasn't a full on porky pig, a beep, 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 that's all folks kind of thing. It was a, it would, it was a nervous tick uh, brought on, I think, by just a weird level of, of shyness. I didn't like, I didn't like people looking at me. And when they did, I just froze up in a way that made T's and S's uh, problematic. Given your career, that's almost Mel Tillis type story. It's it's like doesn't fit. It's amazing that that's (laughs) where you came from and that's who you are now. That's crazy. Well, look, I mean, you you can you can change the road that you're on. You know, I I don't think you I don't think people can change the fundamental essence of of who they are, but you can act like somebody you'd rather be. And sometimes that's a big step in the right direction. That's why we have role models. That's why we have mentors. You know, you're you're trying to figure out who you want to be. Glendon Huntington, and by the way, quick sidebar, the Boy Scouts of America in 1975, 1976, at least in Troop 16, was a different Boy Scouts, right? This was not a safe space. This was basically an organized gang run by a former colonel who brought extraordinary discipline, (laughs) extraordinary political incorrectness, (laughs) an extraordinary sense of consequence to the proceedings. We were divided into patrols. We had patrol leaders. There was a senior patrol leader. There was an oath. There were rituals. There were sacred pledges. You know, we took all that stuff very seriously. There was also a boxing ring where, you know, young men settled their differences in a time-honored way. There were shooting lessons, archery lessons. You know, we were all taught how to handle firearms. It was it was a, a whole new world for me. I want, I want to be in your Boy Scout troop. I it want to be in that. Kick-ass, man. It was, I bet, I bet it, it was, was awesome. So how did he help 
you? How did he support you? What did he do? He taught me that, you know, most, most coaches, most, most men who are really trying to instill some kind of work ethic in their charges will try and find a way to help, to help the person understand that adversity needs to be confronted and challenges are not the enemy and that you have to be willing to be uncomfortable in many, many different ways. What Mr. Huntington showed me was that that's not quite enough. That's not quite where you want to go. That'll get you so far. But if you want to get beyond that, it's not enough to be willing to endure something uncomfortable. You have to find a way to like it. Like, as the Navy SEALs would say, you have to, you have to embrace the suck. You need to enjoy it. So, and I didn't know enough at the time. I was just a boy. But, but when I look around today, uh, you know, most of the people who have truly distinguished themselves in in life have found a way to not just welcome adversity, but to look it square in the face and laugh hysterically, even as they spit in its eye. And so the first lesson I had in a real world was he knew I stammered, but he also knew you, you, you couldn't stammer when you sang. And for all his machismo, for all of, you know, the boxing and the wrestling and the, and the guns, he loved poetry and he loved music. And the Boy Scouts at these jamborees, we'd have these fires, these big campfires, right? And sometimes parents would come and other troops would come and 100 people, 200 people would be gathered around this giant fire. And we would do these skits and we would sing these songs. And Glendon Huntington forced me to sing a song in front of a couple of hundred people. And when I sang that song, uh, I didn't stutter and I didn't stammer. And it was the first time a little light bulb went off in my head. Now, it was also a deeply inappropriate song that I never should have sung in a Boy Scout uniform at a jamboree in front of a couple hundred people. My question was, what's the song? I got to know what the song was. Do you remember a famous Harvard mathematician and musician named Tom Lyra? I, I'm sorry. I wish I did. I don't. I will when we finish talking. You, this guy was the ultimate satirist in the in the 60s and 70s. He he made very inappropriate albums, and he 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 sang like in a Dixieland jazz type style. He wrote all his own compositions, but all the songs were were parodies. Poisoning pigeons in the park, the Vatican rag, the s songs like these. I sang a song, and don't ask me how I went up with this album as a kid, but I had it and I loved it. And I sang a song called Be Prepared. Uh, and of course, Be Prepared is the Boy Scout motto. Right. And so Glendon Huntington insisted that I sing a song. I didn't tell him what I was going to sing, but I walked out there in front of the fire. I probably don't remember all the words, but it went something like, be prepared. That's the Boy Scout marching song. Be prepared. Follow it. You won't go wrong. Be prepared to hold your liquor pretty well. 
Don't write naughty words on walls if you can't spell. Be prepared to hide that pack of cigarettes. Don't make book. If you cannot cover bets, keep that pot well hidden where you're sure that it will not be found. And be careful not to turn on when the scoutmaster's around, for he only will insist that it be shared. Be prepared. That's <laughs> just the first verse, right? My, Mike Rowe, everybody, would be prepared. Uh, uh, thank you. That's uh, Take a bow, Mike. That's amazing. Oh, so your scoutmaster hazed you out of stuttering. Uh, that's pretty much what Believe I'm getting me. from. Uh, yeah, not, but, but in a most quite. loving way. Yeah, yeah. He, he started the process, and what he unlocked in me was a realization that music – a thing that I had grown up with but had no interest in. My mom's very musical. You know, I was always around. I just didn't care, you know. But I can carry a tune, right? And so that was the first time I realized, wait a second, that music could be useful for something other than merely enjoying, right? Uh, it's a, it, it transformed the physiology or the physiology of my body. And, 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 and that was interesting. That combined with the dangerousness of the games that we played and 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 the stakes and the whitewater rafting and the mountaineering in Cimarroncito in, in in New Mexico and insane games bill like swing the thing have you heard of swing the thing swing <laughs> jesus this is i mike this is you know this is there's this is a family show well look not that thing and besides, okay. look, if you can swing that thing, good for you. I I'm not swinging. I barely find it. But we, we, we played games like Capture the Flag and British Bulldog, violent games. And this game called Swing the Thing, you would take a, a, a tent bag and you would fill it with wet rags. And then you would take a length of rope about 14 feet long and you'd tie it to the top of the bag and one guy would hold the other end of the rope and start to swing the bag around right up just about maybe maybe a foot off the floor no more than that and you jump so he's in the middle and you jump so you got 20 guys all stepping in jumping over this thing that's being swung at about 40 miles an hour by the way there's a lot of physics going on and when that thing hit you in the ankles <laughs> you went down like a cheap card table. People went home with contusions, chipped teeth, broken fingers. It was a bloodbath. But, you know, nobody died, right? <laughs> All of that combined is my answer to your question. That's what the Boy Scouts did for me. And and I recognized the value early on, and I stayed. I, I became an Eagle Scout. Hell, years later, I became, I think they call it a distinguished Eagle Scout. Um, and to this day, I, you know, I look back on those experiences as very instructive. So on this one, the same question, if there's one word to sum up the essence of what your scoutmaster buried, built and and harvested inside of you, if your grandfather's humility, what is the scoutmaster? Well, if there's only one word, you'll forgive me if I employ the use of hyphens, but I'll go Perfect. with embrace hyphen the hyphen suck. Embrace, embrace the suck. suck. Yeah. Embrace discomfort. Be uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. 
I yeah, mean, the virtues of discomfort. If, if fear of failure is the greatest barrier to success, and if you're unwilling to be uncomfortable and get out of that, you're you're never going to find any level of of uh, growth, really. Well, you've already gone as far as you're going to go, right? I That's mean, right. If you go any further, and your goal is to be comfortable, you're only going to progress through a series of happy accidents, you know. Yeah, Mike, and you know, there's another lesson there, which is. You know, a comfort zone is, I think we all need a comfort zone. I, I, you know, it may be a church group. It may be uh, a foursome of golf. It may be a a group of people you play bridge with. It may be a little cafe corner table where you share a coffee or glass of wine, where you kind of recharge your batteries and, and share your most intimate secrets when the world hits you in the mouth. Um, I have one. It's my leather chair. And I'm not kidding. If I die in a fiery accident today and they cannot identify my body by dental records, they could match my ass to the cushion on that chair and they'd know who I was because it's my chair. That's forensic science right there, Bill. That's what it is. Kids don't sit in it, nothing. But um, and it's my comfort zone. Um, But, you know, the thing about my time in that chair, nothing profound has ever happened in my life or the lives of anybody around me while I was sitting in it. And I Mm -hmm. think metaphorically, that is the problem with the comfort zone is if you're unwilling to, if you have fear of failure or you're unwilling to embrace a suck or you're unwilling to get out of those comfortable places, you have hit a human stop sign. Like you say, I think that's absolutely true. And, and so embracing the suck makes a lot of sense. Well, there's a paradox in it too. You know, as much as you love the comfort of your chair, if you never leave it, you'll grow to hate it you'll get bed sores. That's profound, Mike. That's really good. You have to get up and leave the thing that makes you comfortable, not because it builds character, but simply because you won't. You can't even define what comfortable is until or unless you've been uncomfortable. Makes a lot of sense, Mike. Hey, that's so um, you can use it. Go ahead and take it, man. I'm I'm Let's start to my second book. I'm using it. Um, Brilliance I learned one day chatting with Mike. (laughs) There you go. And that concludes part one of my really interesting conversation with Mike Rowe. And I hope you listen to part two that's now available. As Mike is not anywhere close to finished celebrating unsung heroes and normal folks who supported him. And if you have any ideas or know of any folks who we should consider featuring on our special series, Supporting Greatness, write me anytime at bill at normalfolks.us. I look forward to seeing you in part two. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.
Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter.